Hello, and welcome back to the Animal Advocate Podcast, the podcast designed to help you become the best, most confident, most powerful, and most effective voice for the animals that you can be. I'm your host, Ryuji, and I really appreciate you tuning in today. Now, today we're going to talk about the easiest way to respond to any argument against veganism. By the end of this podcast, whether it's plants feel pain, but lions eat meat, won't animals overpopulate the earth? you'll have a clear idea how to respond when people say those types of things. And even better than that, you're gonna know how to avoid those things coming up most of the time. What I'm gonna do is I'm not gonna give you the logical responses to those arguments, which is what most people do, and you can find the logical responses to those things very easily with a quick Google search. Instead, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna approach it from a completely different angle that I haven't really seen anyone talk about. Now, I'm sure people talk about this, it's probably just me that it's outside my awareness, but that being the case, I think that the way that I'm gonna talk about handling excuses in this podcast episode is gonna be a very different approach from what you may have heard from other people. And in my experience, I found that this approach is not only more effective, but it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to think about, it's a lot easier to apply in the moment. Anyways, before we get into that, who am I even to say this? I made a very bold claim that you're going to know how to respond to those uh, arguments. Now, if you already know who I am, you already know my story, you can skip ahead a little bit. But for anyone who doesn't know, uh, you know, my name is Ryuji. I, I run a page called Peace by Vegan. And I've been vegan for about five years now. But for the first two and a half years of those five years, I was a quiet vegan. Not by choice, but because... I didn't know how to talk about animal rights with people. Whenever the topic would be brought up, whether it be animal rights or veganism, I wouldn't really know what to say. I would lock up and it would be extremely frustrating because I always wanted to speak up for animals, but I just I just felt like I couldn't. I felt like no one was listening and that's, that there was no way I could ever have an impact. That's why when I became an activist two and a half years ago, I made it a point, well, even before that, but I really made it a point to understand how I can effectively communicate with people. I've read a ton of books, attended trainings, put myself in a lot of uncomfortable situations, practiced talking about animal rights. I, I've spoken about this with a lot of people and I've picked up on patterns. I've tried to understand why people act the way they act. And through that, I've been able to improve my communication skills. And now I'm able to communicate with people a lot more effectively, not just about animal rights, but just really about anything. You know, I've kind of upped my stat of communication. If you want to look at it like stats in a video game, I don't even play video games, but <laughs> maybe that's something that you relate to. I used to play video games when I was a kid. Anyways, that's a tangent. The point is, I struggled with this a lot. And it was through that struggle that I was able to find uh, solutions. That's why I'm very passionate about sharing this information with you because I just hate the idea of anyone wanting to speak up for animals but feeling like they're held back because they feel like no one is listening or they feel like they don't have the communication skills necessary in order to do that. Right? I'm not perfect, I'm still learning every single day, but I do wanna share with you what I've learned so far and hopefully it helps you as well. So. How do you respond to excuses? Now, to get into this, I want to explain how I see most people approaching the topic of answering excuses, responding to excuses within the context of animal rights and veganism. What I see most of the time is people trying to understand what is the logical counterargument to this excuse. So for example, if someone says plants feel pain, you think to yourself, okay, one, plants do not feel pain because they don't have a brain or a central nervous system. And 
even if they did, it would still be better to be vegan because you would cause less plants to suffer. That's the logical argument. Okay, and what I see most people doing is collecting the logical counter-arguments to every possible scenario. And what I'm going to argue is that maybe you should know those things. I know all of them, by the way. I know all the logical counter-arguments, and you should know them too. They're very easy to learn. Uh, Earthling Ed actually made, he, he wrote an ebook that covers all of that in great detail. So you can go download that for free, or you can go look, look up other resources on the topic. It's very easy to find. But what I'm going to argue is that I don't think that is the most effective way to go about it. I think it, it just takes a lot of brain power, and I think it doesn't help, at least in the context of having real conversations with real people in real life. If you are in a situation where you're giving a talk and you're answering a question from the audience, or you're making a video for social media, in those situations, I think it makes more sense to be hyper-logical. Uh, and I, we can talk about that one day, I don't want to touch too much upon that, but in a situation where you're having a conversation with a friend, a family member, a stranger that you meet somewhere, um, I, I don't think that being hyper-logical makes sense. Well, why am I saying this? Quite simply is because that line of thinking assumes that humans are logical. So if they say something, first of all, we're assuming that they mean what they say, and then we think, if I logically prove that to be wrong, then they're going to realize, I was wrong, and they're going to change. The problem is that humans are not logical. We are 100% irrational, emotional beings. That has been studied and documented over and over and over again. A great book to read about that, by the way, is the book Predictably Irrational by Daniel Ariely, or Dan Ariely. It's an amazing book, and I read this years ago, and it really opened my mind to the fact that we simply are not, we're just not logical, we are emotional, right? Something else that you can study is game theory, right? I'm not an expert in this field, but for example, you might know about the thought experiments or the real experiment, actually, this has been done where people are told to split $10. So imagine I'm going to split $10 with you, but I choose how much I get and how much you get, but then you decide whether or not you take that deal. And if you say no to the deal, then we both get nothing, right? So for example, I can say, I want nine and you have one, or I want five and you get five, or I'll get three and you know what, you can get seven. I get to choose that and then you get to say, that's a good deal, that's a bad deal. If you say it's a bad deal, it's off, we both get nothing. Well, the most logical thing for me to do in that situation, the most logical, okay, for both of us, but for me, because I decide what the split is, I should say, well, I get, I get nine and you get one. And if you were rational, you would, all, you would say, okay, that's fine by me. Because one is greater than zero. So it's still beneficial to you. But guess what? Most people, the vast, vast majority of people are going to say no to that deal. Not because it's rational. It's completely irrational. makes no sense whatsoever. But it's just because they feel like it's unjust. So they're going to follow that feeling rather than doing what's logical. And this is just how we are. If your life is not perfect the way you want it to, it's because you're emotional. Okay, you ever know that feeling where you know you should do something to improve your life, but you don't do it because you don't feel like it. It just feels like it's too much of a burden or you're just too lazy to do it. But logically, you know that that's the right thing to do. Well, that's what I'm talking about. We're not rational beings. And to prove this even further, I want to describe to you why you went vegan. Okay, now I'm assuming that you're vegan if you're listening to this. If you're not, I still think you're going to get a ton of value from this. But I think the most of you who are listening are vegan. So I'm going to describe what happens in your, in your head 
when he became vegan. And I know that's a really pompous thing to say. Okay, like, oh, I'm going to tell you what went on in your mind. Okay, it's, it's a very arrogant thing to say, but hear me out. And by the way, I know that not everyone becomes vegan for the animals or for ethical reasons, and that you can do it because you go plant-based because of your health, or maybe you want to help the environment. I, I understand all that. But what I'm talking about here is the moment that you became vegan for the animals. This is a podcast about speaking up for animals. So I'm going to try to describe to you the moments that it clicked in your mind that it's wrong to exploit animals and the moment that you changed internally and or externally because of that. Okay, but you could apply to these other things and you'll see why in a second, but that's what I'm going to describe. So what happened is that at a certain point in time, there were two conflicting forces inside of you. One force was telling you how horrible it is what you're contributing to. I can't believe animals are treated this bad. I can't believe that I've been paying for animals to be killed my whole life without really thinking about it. And that made you feel really bad. The fact that animals were suffering because of your actions, that gave you some sort of negative emotion. The other force is the force that resists change. It's the force that determines how hard it would be in your mind to change to become vegan. And the moment that you became vegan is the moment that that first force outweighed the other force. In other words, it was more painful for you to keep living the way that you live, knowing that you're contributing to something that you're completely against, than it is to change. It was an emotional decision where you weighed the emotional outcomes of those two things, keep being how I am, knowing what I know, or changing and aligning my actions with my values, with what I believe in. And you found that the second path was the one that emotionally felt better. The other one felt really bad. Now, the ratio doesn't matter. All that matters is that one outweighed the other. Okay, so maybe you felt really, really, really bad about what you're contributing to, but you also felt like it would be hard to change, but you were like, you know, I, I can figure this out. I know it's gonna be hard, but I can figure it out. Or maybe it just outweighed so much that becoming vegan seemed like a no-brainer. It seemed completely easy. That was my case, by the way. For me, I felt so bad about what was happening to animals, and I was, I was like, this is so against what I believe in that changing was a no-brainer. I did it overnight because I had to get used to a few new things. It was uncomfortable, but relative to the other thing, it was like nothing. It didn't even feel painful at all. In fact, I got joy from it, right? And that's something that you might even experience yourself. After you become vegan, you realize that, hey, this was such a joyful thing to do. And for a lot of people, that, that's it from the get-go. Not for everyone, but for some people, it's also like that from the get-go, where it's like, I feel so awesome aligning my actions with my values. Either way, it's an emotional response. Even for people who are very logical in nature, right? So maybe you're listening to this, you think to yourself, well, to me, it was more like I ran out of excuses or something like that. I'm a very logical person, so I can really well understand that. Or you might have heard stories from people who say, well, I was talking to this one person and they said that they became vegan because they ran out of excuses. They realized that all the, the arguments against being vegan were so stupid that I, I didn't have a choice anymore. Well, I'm going to argue that even in that case, it's still an emotional decision. And what I mean by that, because this is how I operate, this is why I understand this, is that yes, Logically, they understood that, well, this was the ethical thing to do, but emotionally, how they feel the type of person that they are is, they're like, I cannot justify emotionally to myself. I would feel too horrible doing something that I logically know is wrong. If I know logically that I'm being inconsistent, I can't emotionally live with that. 
That's how I am. That's why I'm freakishly consistent with different things. Because if I feel that I'm inconsistent, or rather if I know that I'm logically inconsistent with anything in my life, I feel it emotionally as that's not who I want to be. I feel that really, really strongly, okay? So it's an emotional thing. Now, of course, people feel emotions to different degrees and people are more or less conscious of this. And I might be wrong about this whole thing, but stick with me because I really think I'm right. But more importantly than that, or equally importantly to that, I guess, is I think this is a very practical way to think about this. So to bring this back into a situation that you might relate to, let's go back to responding to excuses. The reason why it's important to understand that humans are not logical when talking about animal rights or veganism is because when people say, but plants feel pain, but animals will overpopulate the planet, they're not thinking in their minds. I agree with you, and I'm thinking about becoming vegan and changing because I realize that what we do to animals is wrong, but I really believe that plants feel pain, and I couldn't justify that to myself. Or they're not thinking, man, I would, I would become vegan, but I have this concern that animals will overpopulate the planet and that's not gonna be good for them, it's, it's not gonna be good for us. That's just not what goes through people's minds. What happens is that they go inside their bodies and they emotionally think to themselves, okay, I received this information. How do I feel about that? Hmm, I feel a little guilty, a little shame, I feel bad and sad for what the animals go through. You hear that a lot. I feel sad about that. And that's real. So there's that. But on the other hand, they think about, if that's the case, then I should change. But changing feels so painful. It's like such an inconvenience. They think about the pleasure that they get from eating what they believe is their favorite foods. They think about all the memories that they formed around consuming animal products, how it's such an integral part of their culture, how much joy and happiness they get from that, and how painful it would be to let that go. And because that pain is so much greater than the pain of, yeah, I feel kind of sad about what the animals go through, they instinctively feel this feeling like, I don't want to change. I don't even want to listen to this. This makes me feel bad. I don't want to go vegan. And what they do is, they will rationalize that and say something that they don't really mean. So then they'll say, yeah, but like plants feel pain. Yeah, but what about lions? But uh, animals will overpopulate the planet. They're not thinking that. They're just feeling, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to do it. I don't want to care. It's a feeling thing. And that's why I think it's completely idiotic to just throw back the logical counter argument like, oh, but you know, plants don't feel pain. And even if they did, it's still better to be vegan because that's not what they're thinking. It's like the concept of subtext when writing dialogue. So if you ever learn about how to write good dialogue, whether it be in theater and film, whatever, well, you might learn about the, the concept of subtext, which is basically what people really mean when they say something. So for example, if someone asks you, how are you doing? And you're like, yeah, I'm fine. Well, the words say, I'm fine. But the subtext, what you're really saying is, I'm not okay, can you ask me what's wrong with me? Or whatever the subtext is, okay? It could be different things, but that's just an example. So similarly, most of the time that people have these excuses, what they're really saying is not that actual excuse, which is why I think that approaching it from a logical standpoint is completely counterproductive. So what should we do in those situations then? Well, I think a more productive question to ask is just, 
what should we do? Because if we understand that humans are not logical, that we're emotional, and that change happens when changing is less painful than staying the same, then I think that we should just look at what is the best approach to have given that set of knowledge. And to me, what I found works the most, and this is not some hard and fast rule, okay? I think that everything I say, you should always think about it for yourself, think about it critically, most importantly, go try it out, see if it works, evaluate. If you find something that works better for you, that gets better results, then that's great. You know, I'm not perfect, this is just what I know so far. But anyways, what works for me is, I think about how can I tip that emotional seesaw? That's how I think about it. I don't think about how can I have them logically understand this? I think about how can I tip that emotional seesaw. Now, logic does play a part in tipping that emotional seesaw, but the overall goal is how can I get it so that it feels painful for them to stay the same because they really feel the injustice from the animal's point of view, and how can that be so much more painful than changing and going through a little bit of discomfort to become vegan and speak up for animals. And what I found is that when I focus on tipping the emotional seesaw and going about the conversation the way that I'm going to lay out right here, a lot of the typical excuses that people bring up don't get brought up so much. And whenever something does get brought up, it's very easy to understand how to respond to that. And that's essentially because from the very beginning of me talking to the other person, I manage the conversation so that it doesn't even really make sense for those things to come up. Now, in order to illustrate this, I want to give you an analogy because I think what I said is not very clear. So bear with me here for a second. Imagine you meet someone out in the streets, a random person, you meet them for the first time, and you decide you want to ask them out on a date. Now, imagine you go up to them and you say, go on a date with me. That's the first thing you say. Or you bring it up really quickly. Well, that person might not want to go on a date with you. See, I think this is what happens when people talk about animal rights or veganism is that they just bring up what they think the other person should do too quickly before it's been established why they might even want to do that. So to them, it feels like you're saying, hey, you should go vegan. Kind of as if someone is saying, you should go on a date with me. It just feels like an unreasonable request that came out of nowhere. Now let's go back to the analogy. What might someone say if you ask them out on a date just like that? Well, my guess is that they're gonna go in their bodies, okay, and this is how people make decisions. They're gonna be like, how does it feel for me to say yes? That feels horrible. I don't wanna do that, so I don't feel like going on a date with this person. But the thing is that at that point, because you haven't built rapport and it feels kind of horrible to just say, uh, no, you're creepy, and I don't want to go on a date with you. Though I do have a lot of friends who might say that. I know a lot of people who would say that, so just never mind. You know, I, I don't feel like I could say that. Then again, I don't have people <laughs> approaching me and asking me out on dates uh, <laughs> right off the bat. So anyways... <laughs> no, but what that person might say is they might say something like, oh, sorry, I don't have time. Or, sorry, I'm not looking to see someone at the moment. Sorry, I already have a partner. Oh, sorry, I'm not interested in men. <laughs> or whatever it is. They'll just say something as an excuse. Now, that's very similar to when people say, yeah, but plants feel pain. Yeah, but lions eat meat. See, it's not really what they mean. They're just like, I just don't want to 
go on a date with you, but they just feel the need to say something to kind of justify that, right? So now I want you to think, what would happen if in that situation you you, you go up to someone, can we, let's, let's not take you because I don't, you know, you're not creepy, okay? But let's say me, I'm the creep here, okay? Imagine I go creep on someone. I'm like, hey, go on a date with me. Go on a date with me. And they're like, uh, I'm sorry, I, but I, I don't have time. Imagine I tried to counteract that with logic and I told them, oh yeah? Well, rumor has it that you work this job and you work from nine to five. So what are you doing after five? Uh, I don't know. Ha, so you do have time. You do have time to go on a date with me. So now go on a date with me. See how that would be so creepy and ineffective? That's like when people say the plants feel pain and you just give them the logical response and they're like, okay, I guess this makes sense, but I feel no different. I, I, I'm not compelled whatsoever to, to take the action that you want me to take. And the problem with that first scenario, the, the date scenario, is that if you just go up to someone and you ask them to go on a date with you, well, of course they're not going to want to do that because there are certain things that haven't been established. Things like trust, things like mutual attraction, that you get along, <laughs> comforts, that you feel safe with each other, you know, that kind of thing that should be presence before you get to know each other further. Really, my approach should be to first get to know that person to a certain degree. And this can happen in any time frame. Okay, sometimes it happens within minutes, sometimes within hours, sometimes within days. That, that can vary. But the point is, we have to establish a certain number of things before it even makes sense for me to be like, hey, so I think you're really cool because of this, this, and that. Would you like to go on a date with me? Similarly, I think that the call to action to become a vegan or to change in any sort of way to become vegan and speak up for animals, that should be preceded by a certain mutual understanding because if you just bring that out out of nowhere, then, and I'm not saying that this is wrong. I mean, it's right that we should demand that of people because that's the least that they can do with regards to the animals. But subjectively to people, it kind of feels like you're asking them out on a date with, with no context, like just like that. And they're like, yo, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, you know, and that's why they're like, I don't like how you push your beliefs onto me. I didn't like how you asked me out so suddenly. I don't like how you just asked me to become vegan like that. It's a subjectively similar feeling. Again, the contexts are very different and they both have very different implications, but subjectively to the person on the receiving end, it can feel kind of similar. So in the same way that if you wanted to ask someone out on a date, you want to establish these things like comfort, attraction, you know, whatever it is, in the case of talking about animal rights, you also want to establish certain things. You want to lead the conversation in a certain way. Now, when people become vegan, generally they come across a certain number of realizations or they learn a certain number of things and the order in which they learn them doesn't matter. So for example, some people, they'll start becoming interested when their friend brings them to a vegan restaurant and they eat delicious food and they're like, hmm, you know, becoming vegan, I guess wouldn't be that hard. And then later they find out, oh, okay, this is an injustice from the animal's point of view. And then they call back to that and they're like, oh, it all makes sense Then they change. For some other people, maybe it's the other way around. For me, for example, I just found out about the animals thing. I didn't even know about vegan food. I didn't even know the word vegan, but I was just like, I need to change. And then I found out about how delicious vegan food can be after that. So it can happen in, in different orders. But when you talk to people, or at least this is how I go about it, I just have a predetermined order in which I go through different things because that just helps me be efficient with the way that I direct the conversation. Okay, and when I say direct the conversation, by the way, I, I don't want this to come off like, oh, you're manipulating the other person. It's rather 
let's try to solve a problem together, right? One thing that I talk about a lot is you want to be on the same team as the other person. And I think this applies here. I think that's at least in the case of educational activism, where you're having conversations with people or when you're giving a talk, most of those things are going to be we're on the same team. Okay, if you're doing a disruption or a march, that's a different story. Those are different forms of activism with different goals and should be approached differently. So, you know, things are not black and white, but here we're talking in the case of educational activism and more specifically having a conversation with maybe a friend, a family member or a stranger that you meet. So anyways, the way that I personally break it down is I break it down into three distinct things. One is what we're doing to animals is an injustice from their point of view. If you look at it from the animal's point of view, we cannot justify what we do to them. It's an injustice. It's horrible. That's the first thing that I try to make clear. The second thing is, why did this happen? This happens because people like you and me allow this to happen. This is personal responsibility. This is making the person understand that, okay, this is an injustice, but it's an injustice that I am causing. And then the third thing is, what will you do about it? Will you take action upon what you learned? What I will do is when I'm talking to someone, all that goes through my mind is, let me run through those steps. It's almost like there's a path, okay? And this is a good way to think about it. This is how I think about it. There's a path with milestones. The first milestone is what we do to animals is an injustice from their point of view. The second milestone is we are causing this to happen. We are allowing this to keep happening. And the third milestone is what, what am I going to do about it? And my goal when I'm talking to someone is how can I bring this person along this path with me. Now, I'm not trying to force them into that path because I want them to be a willing participant in that conversation, right? But that's how I direct things. And the biggest difference between what I just described and what I see a lot of people do is the order in which we approach things is reversed. See, what I see a lot of people doing, and I actually saw someone do this at uh, an activism event once, where they went up to someone and one of the first questions they asked them is, have you ever thought about becoming vegan? What people do is basically they go up to the person and they're like, you should become vegan because of this. What I do is I go, okay, let's establish this, 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 and that. We establish that it's a problem. Hey, by the way, becoming vegan is the solution to that. It's similar to what I talked about in the previous episode of this podcast that you should also check out if you want to learn more about that. But basically, that's how I go about it. So one of the first questions that I might ask someone is something along the lines of, do you think it's ethical what we do to animals? So that's what I try to establish first. Do you think it's okay what we do to animals? They'll be like, yeah, you know, I think it can be done in a humane way. What if you look at it from their point of view? If you put yourself in the cow's position, the chicken's position, do you think that there's a kind way for you to be killed in that situation? Do you think that would be possible? So I start there. From there, I move into, if this is an injustice from the animal's point of view, why do you think this keeps happening? Well, I guess, I guess it's consumers. Okay, so what do you think you could do about that? Now, something that's crucially important with this framework is that people when I talk to them, I want them to be a willing participant in the conversation. Now, you know that expression where people say like, oh, I, like, I don't like how you vegans force people to think like you or something like that. Well, that's ridiculous because we can't do that. And to me, because I recognize that I can't do that anyways, 
I, I don't try to do that. I, like, you know, I'm not going to try to force someone to have a conversation with me if they're not a willing participant in the conversation, if they're not looking to solve a problem with me. Now, I'll get to the situations at the end when people are really not having it, what to do in those situations, okay? Because there is something that I do when people are like that as well. But for the most part, because here we're talking about having a conversation with people, I want people to be a willing participant. And the way that that happens is basically it's like a combination of two things. On one hand, you have the rapport that you build with them. So that's the relationship between you and the other person. The more the other person sees you as a friend, the more you can call them out, the more you can get them to think, the more they're going to be open to thinking differently and things like that. And then there's just where the other person is at in terms of how open-minded they are ready to be. There are some people, they just don't want to change. One time I asked a lady, why wouldn't you change? And she just said, I'm too old, I just don't change. Okay, she, she, was, just, she was just not having it at all. So in that situation, well, <laughs> there's not, not much I can do. And again, I'm going to get to what to do in, that, in those kinds of situations at the end. But for the most part, what you want to get good at, and this is what really helped me, is I got good at, on one hand, building rapport between me and the other person so that that person feels comfortable with me. And then I, I try to gauge how open-minded that person is. Now, the more open-minded the other person is, the less rapport you need. And the less open-minded they are, the more rapport you need to go further. Ultimately, they might be limited by how open-minded they want to be, but you can kind of think of those two things as things that work in your favor that you want to have. That's why when I talk about this framework, this it's wrong what we do to animals, we are responsible or we're complicit in making this happen and we can do something about it, which is becoming vegan and doing something about it. Well, when I go through that, you know, it may seem like, oh, you're, you're manipulating people to go through this path, but that's, that's not what it is. Because at all times, I'm not hiding my intentions. There's nothing sneaky going around here. It's just that I'm on good terms with the other person and the other person is like, hey, this is a conversation that I consent to having. That's, I want to talk about this. I want to think about this. Now, when this happens, and I feel like that was a lot that we just covered. So I hope it was clear. Let me know if it wasn't clear um, or maybe listen to this a few times take notes, do whatever you have to do. But if this wasn't clear uh, and you have any questions, you can always email me at peacebyvegan at gmail.com. That's the best way to get in touch with me, by the way. But anyways, when you get to this point and you're running through this framework, and again, you can picture this framework like a road, and your job is to take the other person along with you, hold them by the hands, and walk down this road. And if anything happens that veers you off the road, your job is to simply get back on the road. One thing you want to do is keep it simple because... For me, what I realized is that, look, you know how sometimes you hang out with people and you have a great time, you have so much fun. So you go have dinner with a friend, so much fun. You laugh, jokes, you tell stories, you go home. What do you remember from that conversation? Chances are you remember how you felt. You're like, that was so much fun. But if I ask you, can you bring up five topics that you talked about? You might be able to do it, but it's not immediate. You kind of have to think about it. That's not what stays with you, right? So that's even more of a reason why it's important to concentrates on tilting that emotional seesaw because people are going to remember that. But for the logical points, I keep it super, super bare bones simple because I know that when people walk away, they're not going to remember all these intricate things that we talked about. Like I could go into a discussion about why plants don't feel pain or why it's healthier to be on a plant-based diet. Okay, and we can talk about these things, and it's not a bad thing to talk about these things, but I'm just saying, if your goal is to speak up for animals, then that just creates a tangent 
and it, it creates so many more memories in that person's mind that they're going to walk away and they're going to be like, what did we talk about? Yeah, we, we talked about plants, I guess. We talked about how, you know, health benefits. I want it so that when people walk away, it's crystal clear what we talked about. Okay, I am contributing to something that is an injustice from the animal's point of view. That's what I want people to walk away with. And whatever that makes them feel, that's the feeling that I want people to walk away with. So I keep it simple. Always, always keep it simple. This is not complicated stuff. Okay, so no need to overcomplicate things. That being said, this is when excuses are going to be brought up. So let's finally talk about what you came here to hear about. The excuses. Well, see, if you're in a situation where you run through these steps, you have the person on board with you, you are on good terms, well, a lot of the excuses that they're going to have are going to be very easy to deal with because they're going to be asking them more as genuine questions and concerns rather than they're out to get you, right? If someone is genuinely trying to get you and they're just like, oh, got you, got you. You know, people play the game with vegans where they're like, oh, but plants feel pain. So got you, you're wrong. If that's people's intentions, then I would say let go of that conversation because clearly that person's not having it. Again, I'll tell you how to deal with that, but that's not what we're talking about here. What I'm talking about is what, what happens to me at least when I follow all the steps that I outlined here and through the understanding that I, I laid out here, well, what happens is that people will say things and they will have, they, they will push back, but it's in a reasonable way that's very easy to deal with. And basically what I found is that the excuses, quote unquote, that people have fall into essentially just three categories. And what I do is instead of thinking about the logical counter argument to like 50 different <laughs> arguments, I just think to myself, what category does this fall under? And I just handle it the way that that category demands the thing to be handled. So let me make this concrete so it's actually understandable what I'm saying. The three categories of excuses that you're going to encounter are one, reasons why it's okay what we do to animals, reasons why it's not unethical. The second one is going to be personal concerns around becoming vegan. The third is just flat out ridiculous lies. Okay, and you want to be able to fit whatever the other person is saying into one of those three categories. So for example, plants feel pain. Where does that sit? That's in ridiculous lies. Okay, if someone says, but lions eat me too, that's trying to justify why it's okay for us to do this to animals too, because lions eat meat. Or, but where am I going to get my protein? That's a personal concern. Or, I think it's too expensive. I don't think I have access to vegan food. I, I don't think I'm going to like the food. Those are all personal concerns, right? So the way that I go about it is that, first of all, because of the framework, well, different excuses are more likely to pop up in different times, at different times. So when I start the conversation and I'm asking, do you think it's ethical what we do to animals? And my sole focus is on asking the person, do you think there is a way to justify what we do to animals if we honestly put ourselves in their position? That is the underlying question, okay? And that's a question that should be crystal clear in your mind. That's always my starting point. Personally, when I talk to people, I'm trying to ask them that. So what they'll typically do is they'll try to find ways to justify why it's actually okay. So typical ones are like, oh, well, we should do it in a humane way. We should respect animals. We should do it. In a, we should kill them in a kind way. Or lions do that too. Oh, but if we didn't kill them, then they would overpopulate, right? So those are all reasons trying to justify why it's okay. Now, the way to counter, quote unquote, those arguments is very simple. You just want to bring it back to the victim's point of view. You just want to bring it back to the question. So for example, well, lions hunt gazelles. So why couldn't 
I eat a pig, what's the difference? Well, let's look at it from the victim's perspective. Yeah, like anything, you can even give an analogy here like bullying, for example. Bullying is wrong because we look at it from the victim's perspective. Okay, and any injustice is from the victim's perspective. So let's think about this. Does a gazelle enjoy being hunted by a lion? Well, of course not. Does a pig enjoy being killed by us? Well, of course not. So how do we justify doing this from their point of view? You see how it just makes things very clear-cut, straightforward, and simple, keeps it very simple. Okay, like, we all know that the line thing, that's a appeal to nature fallacy and all that. We could get fancy with it, but it's really simple. It's just from the victim's perspective, how do we justify this? I just want to bring it back to that because that's the point we're on. And like I said, I just want to keep it simple. Now, personal concerns, or I guess it could be personal or world concerns. So for example, something like, I don't know if we're going to be able to feed the whole world with only plants. I don't know if we can do that, right? That's like a world concern. A lot of times people don't really care about those things, but the way that I deal with those is I basically try to make it into a non-factor. And what I mean by that is I just try to determine why it would be possible to do that. I don't go above and beyond. So for example, if someone says, I don't know if I can be healthy just eating plants, I would ask, well, do you think it's possible to survive and thrive on plants? Do you think it's possible to be healthy? Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, are there vegans in the world? I mean, I guess. So do you think that they're healthy? Yeah, I guess. Well, that wasn't the best way to go about it. But the point is, I just want to get it to the point where it's clear that it's possible. It's, it's not an issue. Okay, what I don't want to do is I don't want to go overboard and be like, well, actually, a whole food plant-based diet is the healthiest diet that humans can thrive on. I don't want to do that. Why? Because it creates an unnecessary risk of creating a dialogue or a debate around whether or not that's true. And also it can make you seem disingenuous because it, it, it's very convenient for you as someone who wants people to be vegan to believe that being vegan is just the healthiest thing to do, okay? It can set off some serious red flags. If I was talking to someone and that's how they approach me, I mean, I, I would take into consideration for sure and I, I'll probably research it, but it, could, it, it would also set off some, some red flags, right? And what you don't want to do is get into an argument of whether or not a whole food plant-based diet is the healthiest and is going to reverse heart disease and stuff like that. Like, you don't want to get into the debate because that's just an unnecessary topic to talk about when you're trying to determine whether or not it's wrong what we do to animals and what's causing that and what we can do about it. Okay, you can talk about that at the end when everything has been established and they're like, you know what, this makes sense. And you're like, you know, by the way, I also want to let you know that research has shown that blah, 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 blah. You can do that then. But in the middle, for me, I just stick to making it into non-factor, come back. So for example, I don't think we could feed the whole world just on plants. Well, I'm not going to go into this whole, well, it's actually more efficient. I'm just going to be like, well, do you think it would be possible? And I'm briefly, briefly going to explain that, maybe using a little bit of logic, but I don't want to go too much into it because that's not what I want to be debating here. I just want to talk about the animals and whether or not it's wrong what we do to them. So I just want to get back to that as quickly as possible. Again, keep it simple. And then the third thing, ridiculous lies. When people say ridiculous lies, it's very simple. I just call them out. Yeah, but you know, don't you feel like plants feel pain? No, <laughs> plants don't feel pain. I think we both know that plants are not sentient like animals are. And then you just move on. If you say that confidently, you'll be surprised how quickly you can move away from that. Now again, the prerequisite to being able to do 
those things that I just said. So bringing it back to the animal's perspective, making something, making a personal or world concern into a non-factor that it's possible and it's calling out lies, that assumes a certain level of rapport between you and the other person. That's why I say that's so crucial, that you have the rapport and you go through the steps. Because what I found is that when I approach conversations like this, they're always very, very similar. I build rapport, I'm on good terms with the other person, and then I just bring them through the steps. Hey, do you think it's ethical what we do to animals? Well, you know, what do you think causes that, blah, blah, blah. And then those excuses come up, they're always in one of the three categories, and I always handle it the same way. It's, all, it's always like that, pretty much. And now, does this mean that everyone that you talk to is gonna change? No, but to me, what I found is that I have a higher chance of bringing them to that fork in the road where it's just very clear to them what they're contributing to, why it's an injustice, and what they could potentially do about it. I can't make them do the thing, but they are in a situation where they will have to evaluate what's more important to them, doing what's right by the animals or doing what's comfortable. What do they value more, life? or taste. They will be at that fork in the road more often than not when I follow this framework. Now, by the way, one thing I love so much about this, and I think this might maybe clarify you know, how this framework works, is that oftentimes when I do this with people, or when I go through this conversation, well, the person that I'm talking to, especially if they're a stranger that I just met, they don't actually know I'm vegan for quite a bit of the conversation. Usually if it comes up, it's only if they ask me. I have no problem going through this entire conversation without saying that I'm vegan. I will never reveal it for myself. Usually it's people who ask me, hey, so are you vegan? And I'll be like, yes, I am. But it'll come towards the middle or the end of the conversation. Okay, because usually, like I said before, I find that a lot of people start the conversation with the vegan thing. Hey, I'm vegan. And then you talk about being vegan. I don't do that. I just start talking about the animals, the injustice, and then the solution. Oh, shit, the solution is being vegan. Okay, that's how I go about it, right? And if you wanna hear about how that goes down, you can listen to the podcast episode that was like two episodes ago or something like that about how to do outreach anywhere, anytime. I talk about how I do outreach in, in let's say, um, rideshare services with, my, with a driver. And basically what I do is I build rapport with them. I ask them a lot of questions. I listen to what they're saying, and then I go into talking about the animals and starting from there. Now, that being said, I know what you're thinking. You're like, Ryuji, okay, I get all that. That makes sense. That's awesome for people who are open-minded. But what about for people who just don't care? Some people say they just don't care. And no matter what I tell them, they just seem to not want to do anything. What do I say then? Well, in that situation, I would say that your mindset should still be the same. I still approach it with the same mindset where I'm like, the road is still the same. I still want to demonstrate that what we do to animals is wrong and that they're causing it and that it's up to them to do something about it. Okay, the only difference is that instead of walking down the path, I'm going to try to throw them on there, okay, by any means necessary. And I also want to cut the conversation short pretty quickly. But again, the whole idea is I want to keep it simple and I want to be clear about what I'm communicating. So basically what I'll do in that situation is just tell them what actually happens, the truth from the animal's perspective. So when people are saying, there's no way you'll change me, there's no way you'll change me, there's no way you'll change me. I, I love eating bacon too much. I'm just there saying, that's really a shame because you are causing animals to suffer. Animals who haven't done anything to you, they're suffering because of you. And that's all. If I have to repeat myself, I'll just repeat that. But again, I keep it simple because I don't want to say a million things. Then they're going to walk away and like just 
confused or they don't really know what I said. I want it to be extremely clear what I'm saying. That's it. Okay, I get it. I know you're not going to change. I'm not going to have an effect on you. But just know that that doesn't change the fact that animals are suffering as a result of your actions because you choose to be selfish. That's what's happening. And that's it. I just leave it at that. Again, if I have to repeat myself, I'll repeat that or something along those lines. But that's it. I just want to make that clear. And that's it. Now, this is when I would wrap things up, summarize things and send you off. But I realized that I omitted something very important. So I'm glad I caught this. And it's earlier when I talked about the three types of excuses that are going to be brought up. I said that they were reasons why it's okay to exploit and kill animals, ridiculous lies and personal concerns or personal or world concerns, so to speak. I realized that there's a fourth type of quote unquote excuse that people will give you. And that's actually the one that I appreciate the most, funny enough. And that is the honest excuse. Okay, so sometimes people will say something like, I hear you, I hear what you're saying. I just feel like I like the taste of meat so much. Now, ironically, some of us, you know, and I used to think this, that the, the taste excuse is like the stupidest one. But actually, it's the one that I like the most because it's the most honest one. What they're letting you know, essentially, is they're letting you know that I, I value my pleasure over this. And what they're really saying is they're letting you know, hey, that emotional seesaw, <laughs> that's, <laughs> I don't even know you're trying to get me to tip, but that emotional seesaw is not tipping for me. That's essentially what they're letting you know. They're letting you know that, hey, I hear what you're saying, but emotionally, the emotional seesaw is tipped the other way. It's not tipped the way you, you want me, you want it to be tipped for me. That's what they're saying. And that's, in my opinion, the simplest thing to deal with. And again, I want to emphasize that this only applies when that person brings that up in the context of you being on the same team where there are willing participants in the conversation where you're going through it. And they're, they're like, you know, I, I do want to think about this. I do want to take the time to actually consider this. If they say that, then you can just flat out call it out and ask them, no, I hear you. What do you think is more important? Your taste or your pleasure or doing the right thing for the animals? You're in a place right now where you're going to have to choose. On one hand, you can do what's comfortable, what's easy, what feels good in the moment, what's pleasurable to you, or you can do what's right for the animals. You can decide to think about yourself or you can decide to think about the victims. You can just lay it out exactly where it is. Basically, place them at the fork in the road where they're going to have to choose one or the other, where it's very clear that they're going to have to choose one or the other. And in that moment, it's going to be up to them as to how that seesaw tilts. You can't, you can't push it. Like it's a, you, you can only bring them there. But at that point, it's going to be up to them to see how they feel. And then they're just going to act the way that you know, they are. All you want to do, and this is a perfect way of actually ending this is that your goal as someone talking to someone about animal rights is simply to bring them at that fork in the road where it's crystal clear to them what the situation is and what their choices are and what their different choices will implicate they should understand that if they stay the same then they're going to be contributing to an injustice of enormous scale that cannot be comprehended. And then if they do change, well, they directly participate in ending the massacre of animals. They should understand that. That should be very clear to them what the two roads are. 
and all we can do really is bring them to that fork in the road afterwards which which road they go down it's not something that i think we can control but like i laid out here i do think that there are ways in which we can optimize the way that we communicate with people that makes it more likely that you and the other person you reach that fork in the road more consistently so for a quick summary of everything we talked about and i know we talked about a lot of things even for me talking about all this it felt like it was a lot so if you resonated with this if you were like that makes sense but you can't remember everything i just said then i would encourage you to listen to this multiple times and more importantly than that go have conversations with people and every time you have a conversation maybe listen back to this and see how what i said corresponds to your experience that's how you're going to learn it's by understanding everything i said you got to experience it yourself it's not good enough to just you know you're like and by the way because when you go try to apply what i just talked about or really any concepts in any fields, any any communication concept that you first learn, the first time you're going to try it, it's going to be awkward. It's going to feel unnatural because you're trying something new. What you want to do is you want to push through that and you want to go through that awkward phase. It's okay if you have awkward conversations. Nothing wrong with that. We all go through that. And then you come back to the theory and you try to understand the theory through your experience. The more experiences you have, if you're someone who has a lot of experience talking to people about animal rights and veganism, then you're more likely to have really understood everything that I talked about and it's gonna sink in because you're gonna be like, oh, that corresponded to this experience, that corresponded to that experience, I understand what he's saying. If you don't have a lot of experience, then chances are there are a lot of things that you feel like you kind of understood, but trust me, you don't really understand them. It's not really going to sink in because you don't have the reference experiences to back up everything that I said. So go go try the go try this stuff and don't kick yourself if you don't get it straight away. Okay, you're not supposed to. It's not going to happen. This is something to work on. It's it's really it's a lifelong journey. The journey of personal development is a lifelong journey that I really think you should be committed to. Do whatever you want. But, you know, I, I love this journey because I just love getting better every single day. I love knowing how to communicate better. And it just helps the animals to understand how to communicate with people. So that being said, we started out by talking about how people are not logical. We are emotional. And we change when the pain of changing is significantly less or less than the pain of staying the same. Or maybe changing even feels pleasurable in comparison with staying the same. That's how change is made, is through this emotional seesaw tipping to the point where changing is the easy way out. I argued that that's why, at least in a situation where you're talking face-to-face -face with someone, you're having a conversation with someone, it's not usually beneficial to bring up the logical counterpoints to what people are saying. Instead, I shared the framework that I personally follow when I talk to people, which is basically, first, I want to make sure that me and the other person were on the same team. That is an absolute prerequisite to having a conversation with someone, is that we're on the same team, that we have rapport, and I want them to be as open-minded as possible. Okay, if at a certain point I feel that, okay, this person is not open-minded beyond that point, that's probably when I'll cut the conversation short. I'll just make clear what reality is. I'll just tell them. Instead of bringing them there, I'll just tell them because that's the best I can do, and then I'll bounce. That being the case, if we have rapport, I'll, I'll bring them down this road. The first milestone of the road is, can we justify what we do to animals from their perspective? The second milestone is, what is causing this to happen? Who is responsible? And the third, so... What are you going to do about it? Will you be a part of the solution? 
when you go through this, excuses are going to pop up. And mainly, there are four types of excuses that I personally have encountered the most. The first is arguments that try to explain why it's ethical what we do to animals. So things like, lions eat me too. In that case, just bring it back to the victim's perspective. Then there are personal concerns around becoming vegan that usually comes towards the end of the conversation because that's the only place where we're even talking about veganism. In that case, create a mutual understanding of how it's not really a concern or it's something that can be overcome. That's the best way that I would put it to you. Make the other person understand, hey, I know you're a resourceful person. I know you'll be able to figure this out. I like I know, okay? It's not more it's not necessarily more expensive. I know you can figure it out. I believe in you. And then there are ridiculous lies, things like plants feel pain. In that case, hey, you and I, let's be, let's be honest with each other here. We both know this is not true, so let's just move on. And fourth, honest excuses. Hey, I hear what you're saying, but I don't feel like it, is basically what they're saying. Or I, I like meat too much. I feel like not changing is a lot more pleasurable. And in that case, just lay it out like it is. I grew up in Paris. I used to love those foods too. The question I have to ask myself is, what do I value more? My short-term pleasure or the life of animals? And finally, if you're not on the same team as the other person, they're playing the gotcha game, or they're trying to get you, they're trying to make you feel bad, still stick to the road, but instead of bringing them, you know, taking them by the hand and making sure that they take all their own steps, just say it like it is. Hey, okay, I get it. I get it. You don't want to listen to me. I understand that. You should know that your selfish actions are causing animals to suffer. That's not going to change no matter what you say. Animals are suffering because of you. Just make it clear, and that's it. Just leave it at that. Hey, so thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you. I really hope this was helpful. And like I said, you know, I feel like I talked about a lot here, but the point of all this is not to make things more complicated, it's to make things simpler. So I would really urge you to go try out everything that I talked about. You know, I'm probably gonna break down those things into more detail in subsequent podcasts or videos. And just try it out. Just try it out and see how it goes and learn from experience. If this was helpful to you and you would like to support the podcast, the easiest way you can do that is to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I also love reading your feedback. And if you want to support my work further, you can always do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash peacebyvegan. If you're a patron listening to this, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. It's thanks to you that I'm able to do everything that I do. In any case, thank you again so much for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. I love you and let's keep defending animals.